dear church, family and friends, this Lord's Day I would like to draw our attention to that 32nd verse. Remember Lot's wife, the words of the ever-loving, merciful Saviour. Remember Lot's wife. There are few warnings in the whole of Scripture that really are more solemn than this particular few words, aren't they? Especially as its context here concerns the kingdom of God and, of course, Christ's second coming when he will come back in great, great glory when he returns again. Why are we told here to remember another man's wife? remember Lot's wife. There are many wives mentioned throughout the whole of Scripture, are there not? Why then are we here to ask by the Lord to remember this man's wife, Lot's wife? Well, it seems very clear to me, as with the parable of the ten virgins, that Lot's wife serves to us as a lasting memorial, a lasting monument of God's sore displeasure upon those who have all the privileges of true undefiled religion, all the privileges of the means of grace, yet at the end foolishly squander it upon the worldly. Consider whose soul is being lost here for eternity. It is a godly man's wife. Hence the words of the Saviour, remember Lot's wife. Oh, that we would not be a forgetful hearer of the word of God, and that we may take the Lord at his words. These words of the Saviour are solemn because they are describing the terrifying condition of unreadiness which many professors of Christ will be found in on that great and terrible day of Christ's return. Sodom and Gomorrah and all its cities and fertile plains were suddenly and irrevocably destroyed when God rained upon it from heaven, fire and brimstone. And you know, to this very day, that region is completely barren to this very day. In fact, I actually know people that have actually been to that exact reason, uh, that exact region, and you can find scattered throughout that region these sulfur balls there from, from the, the fire and the brimstone, it's completely barren. And I've actually seen videos where people are picking up these sulfur balls where the fire has come down, the brimstone has come down to this very day. Now, friends, we don't need these facts, of course. We don't need these evidences because we've got the short prophecy here of the Word of God. But it's interesting, isn't it? Lots his wife and their two daughters barely escaped this destruction by the skin of their teeth, as it were. 
But we are told, tragically, in Genesis, that Lot's wife, she looked back, didn't she? She looked beyond her husband, back to that city, as it were. She looked back towards that wicked city, but more so she looked back in her heart before. She looked back, literally. That city was in her heart. The world was in her heart. And she disobeyed the express commandment of God. And she was instantly struck dead and turned into a pillar of salt, a preserved memorial of God's justice upon those who do not take God's warning and judgments seriously. Now friends, it's remarkable, isn't, is it not, to think that Lot's wife lived in the days of Abraham, the great patriarch, the great father of the faithful, and of course with Lot, they were amongst the godliest families upon the whole planet, weren't they, at the time. She had been given exceptional favour by God, exceptional means of grace, great opportunities and space to turn to the Lord in order to be truly converted and saved. She was amongst these godly families, these patriarchs, as it were. And in those days, saving faith and true religion in Christ, in the Messiah, was scarce, wasn't it? However, not in her circles it was not. She was right in the centre of saving faith's influence. She saw and heard of Abraham and Lot and the great, the great acts of faith in Christ. They, they, they overcame many amazing things. She was right in the midst of it. She heard their words, saw their prayers, saw their life. She was right in, in the midst of it, was she not? It is a solemn thing, isn't it, to remember Lot's wife as the wife of a truly godly man. It's a solemn thing. Albeit that Lot did make mistakes. But from 2 Peter verse 7 and 8, we know that Lot's character as a man, albeit he makes mistakes, he is a godly man. He was one that trusted in the Lord. It says in 2 Peter verse 7 and 8 concerning Lot's character, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. I wonder if we are vexed in the same way. For that righteous man dwelling among them, seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. When he was in that wicked city of Sodom, it vexed him being there, seeing the filthiness that was going on there, witnessing it. He hated seeing those things. He hated hearing those things. Yes, he made mistakes as a believer, but, but he, he didn't want to, to be around those things. He, his desire had changed. It vexed him hearing such things. It vexed him looking upon such things. And so it's fair to say that Lot's wife was favoured 
with a truly godly man here for a husband. And remember, she also had Abraham, the father of the faithful, with his amazing, peculiar faith, his exceptional, remarkable faith that literally could move mountains as her uncle by marriage to Lot. The, the heavenly faith, the knowledge, the holy lifestyle, and the prayers of these two righteous, godly men must have been no secret to her. These were no mean privileges, friends, that she was given. These were no small privileges that this, this lady, Lot's wife, was given. Faith in God and his promises was no outward formality within her most innermost circles. She saw firsthand the work that God was doing with these, these men of God. She saw it. They lived it, as it were, more than most. Faith in God's word were the very rule and principle of Abraham and Lot's life, which she must have witnessed firsthand. Yet the solemn words come from the ever so loving, merciful and gracious Saviour. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Remember the great privileges given to her. Remember the godly influences and people in her life that God surrounded her with. Remember the special messengers and warnings given from the angels and, the, and heaven that she witnessed. Remember these great privileges given to her. But also remember, friends, that despite all these privileges of true saving faith, of true undefiled religion here, remember also that her affections were more set upon the things of this world, the things from beneath, rather than the things from above. It's a solemn warning, isn't it, dear friends, to every one of us here today. Christ is talking and to his disciples here. It's a solemn warning, isn't it, dear friends? And perhaps more than most, the Lord's words here, remember Lot's wife, remind us, of the shocking unreadiness of the visible church of Jesus Christ. How many, many professors of Christ on that great and terrible day of the Lord's return will be found out at the last to not have the Holy Spirit. To be, to be found really not living for the Lord. You see, like Lot's wife, it is possible. It is possible to come from one of the most godliest families in the world and yet still be estranged from God, alienated from God in the heart, not truly living for the Saviour. Christ not, not being first in your life and in your heart. Where your treasure is, dear friends, there will your heart be also. And so if I can ask us all here the question, including myself, where is your treasure today? Where is your treasure? Is it upon this world, looking to the things of this world, despite the perhaps the outward formalities? You may come to church, 
You may be in a godly family. You may be under the, the best preacher. You could be under the preaching of Whitfield and Wesley and Spurgeon and so on. And yet your heart may still not be right with the Lord. It's a sun of warning, isn't it, friends? Like Lot's wife, you can be under the most wonderful teaching. You can be under the most wonderful and holiest of godly examples. And yet never truly be brought into a saving state of obedience to God and to the saving Christ. It seems to me that Lot's wife was not openly antagonistic to Lot's faith. It seems evident. In fact, rather, it would seem that she was agreeable to certain aspects of his religion. She kept up the appearance of religion. There are benefits, of course, to being a Christian, not just spiritual benefits, but there are other benefits of being a true believer. And it would seem that she towed along, she, she submitted to her husband's ways, but in her heart, she never submitted to God's words and God's ways. This is possible. This passage teaches us it is possible. And when she looked back to that wicked city, the world was very much still in her heart. And her heart was very much still in the world. And in this condition she lived, despite all the favour that she had from God, and in this condition she died. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Christ is teaching his disciples here that religious privileges and the means of grace, dear friends, cannot save you. The, the greatest of doctrines and teachings, they cannot save you. Samuel was a godly man, a godly prophet, yet his sons walked not in the same, in the same way as their father. In faith in the Lord's words. Joab was David's captain, one of his closest people, as it were, of war. Yet he became treasonous to David and to God. Gehazar was Elijah's servant, yet he was given over to covetousness. The world was in his heart. Judas Iscariot was one of Christ's closest disciples and companions. Yet he betrayed the Lord, didn't he? Because it's of his love for money. Lot's wife, of course, dear friends, had all the influence I've just described. But really, the world was in her heart still. She looked to the world and the things and the people of the world for happiness and for contentment. What about us? What, what about, it doesn't matter what other people think. All that's going to matter in the end is what God thinks. We will all one day stand before the Lord and we will all have to give an account before Him. And it doesn't matter what this man uh, thinks of us or that family thinks of us or what that denomination thinks of us. That's not going to matter. All that's going to matter is when we stand before the Lord and we have to give an account. Whose righteousness are we standing in? Are we standing in the Lord's? Have we truly sought the Saviour? Have we truly sought him as the pearl of great price to live for him exclusively? 
Or is our heart still very much in the world, despite having a cloak of religion? All these souls, dear friends, I've described, died in their sins, despite the privileges and the means of grace they had, the knowledge they had, the warnings they were given, the godly and the holy examples that there were amongst, and the many opportunities to turn and to truly be converted. Remember, Lot's life, says the Saviour, says the loving, merciful Saviour who cried, who cried for people. Remember Lot's wife, it's a solemn warning. Are you ready to stand before your God? It's, it's certainly possible, dear friends, that Christ, before the end of today's sermon, can come back in great glory. It's, it's, it's certainly possible that even in the, in, in the minutes proceeding now, that this building can be rent, as it were, and we could see Christ coming back in great glory, as it were. And what will become of your soul? It, it doesn't matter what a wife or husband think, or children think, or what this person thinks. What will matter is if you are right with God. It's certainly possible. Are you ready to meet your maker? You see, friends, Lot's wife was not ready. Many, many professing Christ and religion are not ready. Why? Because the king, the king of kings, the king of the kingdom of God is not yet reigning and ruling as Lord of all in the heart. This world still is. The things of this world still are. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Remember Lot's wife. This sin-sick world, dear friends, is marked for destruction upon Christ's return. And would we dare for a minute set our affections and our contentment upon the things of time, the things that the nations give their hearts to and not so wonderful salvation, free and full, found in Christ. Friends, it's a solemn thing to think that many people in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot felt perfectly secure. They went about their daily jobs and business perfectly happy and secure, like we experienced on the high streets yesterday. And we are told, aren't we, in one tragic day, in verse 27 and 28, that the people did eat and drink, they married, they bought and sold, they planted, they filled it. These, of course, are all lawful things, decent things, as it were. However, they set their hearts inordinately upon these things and neglected the giver. Their strength, their time, their affections were inordinately set upon the creature and not the creator who is blessed forever. Upon time and not eternity. Upon self and not Christ. The people of Noah and Lot's day, despite all their privileges, were given a fair amount of warning, weren't they? Over and over again, that preacher of righteousness, Noah, warned them. Lot warned his sons-in-law. 
And he seemed as one that mocked to them, didn't he? God is coming. God has declared war on you because of your sin. And there is a way of escape. Will you listen to the words of God and take heed? In the old world, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And so Lot likewise to the Sodomites. The, the landlord of our souls and the universe gave the people plenty of opportunities and space to repent and to believe and to be truly converted. Notices were given. Tickets were given. God's messengers were warned. The siren bells of conscience rang out, as it were. The heavens declared to them. Yet none heeded the warning until it was too late. Until suddenly it came upon them. They felt very secure. Marrying, eating, selling, building, going about their daily business. Minding only the things of the flesh and not the things of the soul. Until God came against them in judgment. Remember Lot's wife. Remember that God's judgment can suddenly come upon us, not only in, when He comes again to judge this world according to righteousness, it can come to us in this life in many forms. The Lord has many arrows in His quiver. It can come through financial ruin. It can come through ill health. It can come suddenly through great loss. These things happen, friends. If we are, have all these privileges in our life, all of these many things in our life, and our hearts are not yet trusting in the Lord, our hearts are very much in the world. God has many arrows in His quiver. And this was me for many years. Many years. I do not point the finger at anyone here. I speak of myself. For many years. Are you ready? Are you ready, dear friends? Friends, beware, lest there remains amongst us hearts that are still very much focused upon this world, despite the sunshine of God's grace and His mercy, His free grace. He promises that those who sincerely come to Him should in no wise be cast out. Beware, lest there are souls amongst us who are hiding under a cloak of religious respectability, but in their hearts are worldly, impenitent, impenitent, hard, not true daily repentance, not truly walking by faith in Christ and in His promises, not trusting in His salvation alone. You cannot put your hope in being married to a godly man or a godly woman or from coming from a godly Christian home, or for being uncertain teaching, dear friends, remember Lot's wife. You must eat of the bread of life yourself. You must come to Christ personally as a sinner yourself. You must have the witness of the Holy Spirit in your heart yourself. You must have the oil of the Holy Spirit giving you that assurance, moving you to live for the Lord yourself. You cannot rely upon another person, a counsel, or anything else. These things must be real yourself. You must have true repentance of your own. 
You must have faith, saving faith in Christ, your own. You must have true sanctification and holiness in your heart towards the Lord, your own, for yourself. Without Christ's righteousness and true holiness of life, no man shall see the Lord. Friends, we are no better than Lot's wife and Lot's condition, dear friends, if this is not true. Your eternal condition is a desperate one. It's a desperate one, friends. It's an urgent one. Below us, friends, are millions of tormented souls in the lake of fire, burning in hell. Dear friends, tormented, dear friends, tormented in hell, in that lake of fire, regretting like that rich man was, tormented only if, only if I would have turned from my sins, only if I would have taken God at His word. There are millions right now in hell, dear friends, in that constant regret, that that worst of nightmares, friends, in that place. Friends, if this is your condition, spiritually speaking, then you're standing up really upon a tightrope. A, a tightrope, dear friends, with a precipice of hell beneath you. It's that urgent. You're on this tightrope, dear friends, and the precipice of hell is beneath, as it were. And the legions of damned souls are saying, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. They're not saying it because they can't say it to you. But the word of God, remember Lot's wife. This world and the God of this world is very ready to loosen that foot from the tightrope, dear friends. Earthly securities are diminishing. You are moments away from the reality, dear friends, of eternity. In Jesus Christ alone, and his arm outstretched at Calvary, dear friends, is ready. He is willing and ready to receive you. You're moments away. You're moments away from eternity. And he is there, Christ, with his hands, saying, come, come unto me. You who are weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come to me. Come to me with all your fears, with all your burdens. Come to me. I will receive you. Trust in me. Trust in my words. I can give you life. I can give you truth. My truth will set you free. You're made for me. I can put my spirit within you and give you true hope and true eternal life. He is, the, he is ready, friends. By faith now, take hold upon the Lamb of God, by faith. Your sins will be imputed to Him, and He will give you His righteousness, and you will be justified in Christ alone. Believe, dear friends, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life.